But I want to talk to you just for a few minutes as we start this month of December about the subject of peace. I told our Wednesday night group uh, during prayer on Wednesday nights that it's funny to me how every year during this month we sing songs about peace during the month that we kind of, you know, ramp our lives up to an unlivable pace. It's just a funny kind of contradiction there that I enjoy, that we sing about all these peace and then we go and schedule every minute of every day uh, with as many things as we can cram. And I've seen some of your calendars, all right? I know what December looks like, just mad dash to the finish. And it's just funny to me that we have those together. We ramp up our lives because the reality is we have tension in life. Reality is we all have some kind of stress, some kind of tension, some kind of anxiety or pressure that would keep us from experiencing the peace that God has called us to experience. For some of us, it could be health issues where you battle with or maybe just from sickness or fatigue, you can't keep up with everything that's happening. Maybe in your, your Christmas planning or in all those things, that's causing you a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. Uh, for others, it's financial situations, which can be very difficult. That can add a lot of stress uh, to your life, not only your life, but to your holidays. The idea of financials, maybe it's your relational life that you're, you're saying, well, my marriage is kind of on the rocks, or maybe I'm going through this, this turmoil. And it can be very difficult with family members or with in-laws, these relational things. Reality is we all live with a little bit of stress in our lives. We live with a little bit of things. And yet there's something about the holidays that accentuates it all. I don't think that it gets worse necessarily. I think there's just something about this time of year that brings it more into focus. All of the stress and all of the things. Because during daily life, we have coping mechanisms, right? Throughout the rest of the year. But then something about the holidays that kind of brings it all to the forefront. Something about the holidays that kind of brings it. You got all these things going on. You have all the parties and the things you have to do for the kids. And you have all the places to be and all the things you have to schedule. And maybe worrying about your health and all these different things. And it keeps us from experiencing the life that God has called us to live. The peace that God has called us to have. And so I just want to tackle that a little bit in this series. Because I think a lot of times we get our focus off of the main thing. We get our focus off of what should actually be our our pursuit. And we get it on all these other things. Because sometimes it may be that you're focusing on what you don't have. Maybe at Christmas time, maybe your health has gone down this year. And you're thinking about that as adding some stress. That I'm not going to be able to do this or that that I'm usually used to doing. Or maybe you're thinking, I really want to give my kids a great Christmas. And yet we have this debt. We have this financial burden. We're strapped. And, and I just don't know how we're going to make it happen. We've got all of these things weighing in on us. I don't know how we're going to give them the Christmas that I had when I was a kid. I don't know how. And these things begin to weigh on our minds. Some of you are thinking, my God in heaven, I have to spend time with the in-laws and my relatives, right, this Christmas. The stress is mounting as you think about where we're going to go and what parties we have to plan and whose feelings are going to get hurt and who's going to go where and how we're going to manage all of this with 24 hours in a day. Some of you are just feeling the stress. I've already added to the stress today, right? I've given you several things to think about. Some of you are not listening to anymore. You're thinking about those things you have to plan. And we have these stress and anxiety that comes on our lives. And for a lot of people, this is not a peaceful time. In fact, you ask anybody at all. I think I would put it to you. Ask anybody nowadays. Very few people would respond with, if you say, how is your life going? Would respond with, yeah, I'm at peace. I can't imagine, I would love to meet that person when you ask them, well, how are things going in you? They're like, I am in perpetual peace. I have peace in every situation of my life. I have no stress. I have no anxiety. I have no peace. I have peace in all areas of my life. And too oftentimes when we talk with people, too oftentimes that's the response. Too oftentimes that's the response that we give. That we're not at peace. When actually scripture says we should be. 
When the Bible says that God gives us his peace. And so if the Bible says we should be at peace, but you never find anybody saying I'm at peace, there has to be a disconnect there. There should be a disconnect there. So it has to be, if this is not just an ideal, if this is actually a reality, a practical thing that we're supposed to be at peace, then where is the disconnect? And I want to kind of tackle that in this series real quickly today, just for a few moments to talk about this idea of peace. So we'll start off in Luke chapter 2, right after Jesus was born. The Bible says the angels appeared to the shepherds, heavenly hosts, appearing before the shepherds, praising God and saying, so they scare the living daylights out of the shepherds out in the fields. And they begin to shout to them, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. And I think sometimes we put this on our Christmas cards, right? We put this, we print it everywhere. They say on earth, peace. And Jesus' promise was that he would bring peace. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, this is actually 700 years before Jesus was born. The Bible says that his name would be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This prophecy about Jesus said he would be the Prince of Peace, that he would, he would be, and that word Prince of Peace, it's actually two words in the Hebrew. It's Sar and Shalom. It's Sar, the one in charge, the, the Lord, the chief, the general. And then Shalom, it means rest or tranquility, wholeness, completeness, and contentment. That he would be the one in charge of our rest. That he would be the one in charge of our completeness, our contentment, the chief, the general, the Lord of our wholeness, the Lord of our rest. That he would be the Prince of Peace. The Sar Shalom, that we'd have this completeness. He would be in charge of this rich life that he has called us to live. And yet the crazy thing is, so many of us don't experience peace. The crazy thing, in my mind at least, is if he is the Prince of Peace, he's come to bring peace. So many of us don't experience it. And even though Jesus came to bring peace, we see a world devoid of peace. I mean, you see anybody at peace in the world around you. How many of you on Black Friday, you're standing in that long line and you looked around and thought, yeah, these people, these, you look in their eyes and we're like, yeah, these guys have the ticket on peace. Any of you people throughout the way, you look in the eyes of those people at Walmart and you're like, yeah, these are the people that know all about peace. That's what I'm... Nobody, there is no peace in the world around us. That people are experiencing anxiety. I laugh every year because there's always, no matter what, during the holidays, at least one family either that we know or extended relations that tries to brave Disney World during the holidays. You know these people? Anybody? Anybody know those people? A buddy of mine from college got back last month and he's posting pictures online of their family at Disney. got people in the background. Those of you who have been to Disney World, you ever look around you at any moment that you want, you look around, you see anybody having a magical time. Anybody, it's the craziest thing. You Because know, you are all in the same place. You are spending the same money. You are sweating in the same lines. We're all yelling at each other, going crazy. And then we get back and we're like, that was nice. That was, we should do that again. That was really, I enjoy that. There's no peace, everybody. We're like, well, that was in our memories. That was a magic. It's a magical place. It's not magical. All right, everybody. It's horrible is what it is. It is because there is no peace. There is no peace. That's free for you this Christmas season. The reason is we've missed out on the last part of this scripture that we love to put on our Christmas cards. We've missed out on the last part of this story because the Bible says the angel says to the shepherds on earth. We'll go back to that in Luke. They said peace on earth in the last verse of Luke to those on whom his favor rests. Because we like the first part of that verse, but we don't really like the second one. Nobody really quotes that part of it. He's saying there will be peace on earth, but not on the whole world. Jesus didn't come to bring peace in every single cranny of the earth. He didn't come to just automatically blanket it in peace. It says peace on earth, peace to those to whom God's favor rests. 
He didn't bring world peace. He came peace to be, he didn't bring world peace. He came to bring peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. In fact, I think we mess up the definition of peace. In fact, I know we do because too many times we think peace means that things around me would change, that it would just be this blanket change in the situation around me. Some of you have bought into that. I should say some of us have bought into that. I've gone through seasons of that. And some of you are saying, if I could just find a way to stay away from all humans at Christmas, then I would be at peace. While there are others of you who are experiencing crushing loneliness, and you're saying, if I could just have a little bit of family at Christmas, then I would be at peace. We think if our circumstances would change. Some of you, we can apply that in our jobs. Some of you think if my career would just take off, if I could just get a little traction in what I'm doing, because I'm grinding, but it's not happening yet. If I, could just, if I could just get a little momentum going, then I would have peace in my life. While others of you, your career is exploding and your, your job is going great. And you're like, if I could just slow things down, if I could just, just bring rain things in a little bit, then I would experience peace. See, whatever season we find ourselves in, we've convinced ourselves that if the situation would change, then it would bring peace to our lives. If I could just have that, or if I could just get rid of that, if I could just go there, if I could just not have to go there. We, we come up with these situations and we think if just that then I could live at peace. And we take that in every area of our life, from our health to our children to our finances. In every area, we genuinely fall for the lie. If we could just change our circumstances, then we could have peace. But if peace is a gift that's given to people that have the favor of God, then peace would not be the absence of something. It would be the presence of someone. If peace is, if it's something God gives to those on whom his favor rests, it wouldn't be the absence of something. It would be the presence of someone. Because here's how I want to start this series. And that is there is no peace apart from Jesus. There is no peace apart from him. And so if I was going to bring you a series on how to access the peace of God, if I was going to preach you a message about peace, I would have to preach you a message about Jesus. About Jesus, because there is no peace apart from him. I don't care how much you want to kind of construct it, how much you want to change the circumstances, how much you want to try to fabricate whatever it is you want to try. There is no peace apart from him. In fact, in our verse in John 14, he says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but my peace I give to you. And if you understand that Jesus is peace, it makes a whole lot more of the verses in the Bible make sense. If you're reading through, if you understand that he is our peace. That he is the one that's come to bring our peace. His given, well, gift wasn't that the world would automatically just be at peace. His gift were those that enter into a relationship with Jesus would have the favor of God rest on their lives and would experience the peace of God. Which on the flip side, which mean there would be no situation that we would enter into, no circumstance we would find ourselves in that we wouldn't be able to access the peace of God. If it's not about the circumstances, it's not about the conditions around us, but it's about our relationship with Jesus in Psalms 23, David starts off with one of the most peaceful psalms uh, that you will ever read. We talked about this a little bit on Wednesday night. That he starts off, right, with, with green pastures and still waters. Everybody likes green pastures and still waters. Come on. He talks about paths of righteousness. Who doesn't want paths of righteousness? We want all that kind of stuff. And then David takes a turn in the psalm. And it's almost out of nowhere. If you're reading this for the first time. He's talking about all these peaceful things and my soul is at peace and all this. The Lord is my shepherd. It's this great thing. But then he takes a turn and he says, and even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though I'm in the worst moment of my life, even then, because we all like the green pastures and the still waters, but nobody likes the valley of the shadow of death. But he says, even though I walk through that, I will fear no evil for you are with me. 
Remember that for just a moment. It's going to be important. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They bring me peace. He says, even in the midst of the darkest valley of my life, in fact, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I love that verse. You prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemy. See, I'm convinced we have our theology wrong about what peace in God actually means. Because this verse is talking about the things we usually think, the green pastures and the still waters. But then it goes into the things we never think, the valley of the shadow of death. And he says, even in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table for me. Because we pray prayers like, God, would you just wipe out my enemies, right? Why, God, would you, just, would you just completely, you know, send the plagues again, oh Lord, on that person? Go, go ahead and wipe out any problem. God, would you just eject me from the trials of life? God, would you just get me out of this situation? If you would just, just make it all go away, oh Lord, then I could be at peace. We want God to eject us from the storm or from the trial or from the situation we find ourselves in. But God doesn't do that. Instead, he joins us in the midst of it. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial, it says, you are with me. It says he prepares a table for me in the midst of the end. He joins us in the midst of the trial because we want prevention from trouble, but God gives us provision in trouble. And there's a distinction there that I think our Wednesday night liked that a whole lot more than you guys did. All right, everybody. So I just, I don't know what's wrong with all of you people, but we want, we want protection from trouble. We want to be ejected from the trial. But God joins us in the midst of it. He said, I'm not going to take you out of the storm. I'm going to join you in the midst of the storm. And that what the devil meant for harm, God is turning for the good. That even in the midst of the trial, that you'll be feasting in the midst of your chaos, that you'll have a table prepared even in the middle of your enemies, even in the middle of the trial and the chaos of it all, your soul can be at peace because God's presence is there with you, that God is in the midst of it. When we think through the stories of the Bible, it's actually true. I was looking through a few of them with my kids this week. You think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? What's their situation? The king is saying, you either bow down to the statue or I'm going to throw you in the furnace. And you hear the three of them respond, we don't care what you say, O king. We're not bowing. You can burn us. You can do whatever you want. Better get that furnace hot because we're not bowing down to that statue. And so they bind them up with the things. My prayer on the way to the furnace would be, God, kill the king, right? That's like what I'm praying. Oh, Lord, kill this joker before he throws me in the fire. Like, put the fire out, oh, Lord. But that's not what God does. What does God do? He joins them in the midst of the fire. He joins them in the midst of the furnace. And then revival and great things start beginning to happen in their nation. You think about Daniel. Right? What was Daniel's plight, his trial? They, they lay a trap for him. That he walks into knowingly, because Daniel's not about to stop praying. They say, you have to stop praying. He's not going to do it. And so he knowingly walks into the trap. He does what he's always done, continues to pray. And so they throw him into the midst of the lion's den. Now, my prayer, like anybody else in this world, should have been, God, kill all the cats. Come on, somebody. Because that's a prayer you (laughs) you would pray. But God doesn't do that. What does God do? He shuts the mouth of the lions and then revival comes to the king and the rest of the nation. They see that Daniel's God is the one true God. And he conjoins them in the midst of the trial. You think about Joseph. He goes from the pit to Potiphar's house, but then right back to the prison. And throughout the midst of it, he's probably praying, Lord, eject me from this situation. Lord, get me out of this moment. Lord, get me out of these storms. But God doesn't do that. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, but God was with Joseph. It says it over and over again. Every time you read a trial, it follows it up with a verse that says, but God was with Joseph. In the midst of our trials, he doesn't eject us from the storm. He joins us in the middle of it. And honestly, that should fill you with even more joy than the original thought that you had. Because when he joins us in the midst of it, he brings his peace. 
That even in the midst of chaos, your soul can be at peace. That it doesn't depend on the circumstances around you. For learn, it's not based on our condition. It's based on the presence of God. That's why Ephesians chapter 2, it says it this way. It says, he himself, Christ Jesus, you once who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Not that he went to get, not that he's looking for, not that he's going to go and find. He is our peace. That he himself is. Here's my point for you today. It's impossible to have peace without connecting authentically, genuinely with Jesus. Having him join you in the midst of the trial. In the midst of the chaos. My goal is that you would know the Sar Shalom, the one in charge of our peace. You don't pursue peace anymore. You pursue him. You don't pursue the conditions or the circumstances, the things you're trying to change anymore. You go after a relationship with him. That while the storm rages around you, while your family may be in a mess, while it may be storms that you have to walk through, maybe your finances are completely wrecked, maybe whatever it is that you would pursue a relationship with him. Let me give you three truths that you can have today. If, I, if we're going to be in this relationship, if, that's, if we're going to take our eyes off the circumstances and we're going to follow after him, just three things that I think can join you in a committed relationship. What does it mean to be in relationship with Jesus? That his favor would rest on us. If that's what we're looking for, that his peace then would become an automatic byproduct. Because if you find him, you find peace. He is our peace. What would that look like? Number one, it requires, if you're taking notes, jot it down, submitting to his lordship. Submitting in Acts chapter 10, verse 36 of the Bible says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus. The good news of peace. But watch this. Watch the caveat here. Jesus Christ, who is Lord of, say it with me, Lord of all. Come on, that was weak. One more time. Lord of all. Read it like you can read, everybody. Lord of all. Come on, group participation. I know you guys love that. It's good for you. He is Lord of all. He wants to be Lord of all. We have to understand this principle. If he is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. God does not take second place. And so as we're living our lives in Christianity, as we're beginning to say, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to follow after all that he has. If we're going to submit to his lordship, we have to understand he is Lord of all. He's Lord of all. Completely surrendered. Now, here's the deal. The Bible is God's opinion about life. Bible is, you might not understand this, but God has an opinion about life. He has an opinion about my attitude. He has an opinion about my work ethic. He has an opinion about the way I treat people. He has an opinion about my marriage, has an opinion about my sexuality. God has an opinion about the way I use my finances. God has an opinion about life. And the Bible is God's word to us to show us what God thinks about these different things. It's written in God's word. And if I truly want the peace of God on my life, if I want the other blessings of God, then I have to do this thing that's honestly not all that celebrated in today's culture, and that's called submission. I have to submit. If I want the favor of God to rest in my life, I have to submit to what God says. Now think about it for just a moment with me. Submission is not submission until you what? You submit. Come on, it's not a trick question, everybody. Submission is not actually submission until you have to submit. Because if I agree with what God says, then that's just called agreement. It's just agree. That's not submission. See, if I tell my son, son, I want you to sit in the back of my truck and I want you to drink 44 ounces of Sonic slushy before we get home. I want you to straight sugar to the brain. I want you to drink that entire thing. He's going to be like, what? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, sir. I will do that. I, I completely agree, father. And that sounds like a good plan. That's not submission. 
But if I say to my son, son, I want you to stop hitting your sister with your Star Wars lightsaber and go brush your teeth and get ready for bed. Now he has a decision he has to make because it's not something he's in agreement with. He may not like my opinion. He may not understand what I'm asking him to do. But dad, my teeth are just going to get dirty again, right? They're just going to, like, why do I need to brush? And my toys, why can't I just have them all in my bed so I can play with them while I sleep? Why can't I? These are conversations we've had throughout our, our thing. He might not understand my opinion. He might not understand. Why do I have to turn that off? Why do I have to go there? Why do I have to sleep at this time? He doesn't understand maybe why I'm doing it. Why do I have to do those things? Because I have a plan for your life, saith Ben. All right? That's what... That's why you have to do it. And if you want to live to see the good plans God has for your life, you will listen and submit to your father. That's just what it... There's some things in scripture that I might not like. Some things that I might not understand. Some things that certainly may not be culturally relevant, in my opinion. Certainly not popular in today's world. But when God has an opinion, I lose the right to have one. Because Jesus said, if you want to follow me, whoever wants to follow me, let them deny themselves, let them take up their cross... And follow me. He didn't say, let's have a kumbaya round circle discussion about each different thing. He said, if you want to follow me, count the cost. Do that before you even pick up the cross. Count the cost. But then if you decide, pick up the cross and follow me. But a lot of times we don't like that message. It's not one we often preach. It's not one we like to hear. Because many people get into Christianity going, well, okay, I get to go to heaven. And I get my sins paid for. I get all the good blessings of God and I want all of those favor and those things to rest on my life. And he wants me to have good things. Yeah, I'll do that. But then we go, well, you want me to surrender or submit? I don't necessarily want to do all that. You want me to submit to God's will for my life? You want me to surrender to the word of God and what it says for me? I don't know if I'm comfortable with all that. But the Bible says if we'll follow his system, watch this. It's called righteousness in the book of Psalms. He says the righteous and he surrounds them. The righteous, the right standing, his principle, he surrounds them with his favor as with a shield. Now, I've done this once before in a different way. And so I thought it would be a good way to kind of drive this point home. Because it's kind of like this umbrella. We get into Christianity oftentimes. Come on. You like that? We get into Christianity so oftentimes, many people do, and they say, I want God's in my life. I want his favor. I want to give my life to Jesus. And now his favor surrounds us like a shield. Now his favor rests on us like a shield. His favor is over. We have the covering of God. And so many people say, yeah, I want that in my life. I want him to cover me with his protection. Because if I follow his principles, then his favor rests on my life, his protection. And the storm can rage on the outside. The chaos can go on around my life, but I'm under the covering and the protection of the Lord. And see, so many people want that. We all agree to that. We all want that in our lives. And so we get in this Christian thing and we say, yeah, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to follow Christ. But you want me, what's, and then when you start to hear these different, you say, well, you want me to stop listening to my explicit music. Well, I'm not going to do that. I kind of like the way it sounds. I kind of like, you know, I'm not really listening to the words. I'm just, I just kind of enjoy the rhythm. I'm not doing that. I don't want to listen to that. I just don't want. And you say, well, I, I like this Jesus thing, but you want me to, you know, I'll come to church, but you want me to stop hanging out with those friends who, you know, continually get me drunk and get me to the bar and always get me wasted on the weekends. I've known them a long time. I'm not giving up my friends. That's crazy talk. I'm not going to give up that for that. And you want me not to have sex with anybody that I want to have sex with? What am I, a priest? We'll just whip that one all up in that kind of thing. Hey, crazy, I'm not doing all of that. 
You want me to tithe? I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to. You want me to love people who are mean to me? You want me to? I'm not going to do all that. You want to love people? You want me to be nice to people who have misused me? You want me to forgive people? I'm not going to just get a crazy thing. And then we say, this Christianity thing doesn't work. It just it doesn't work. I'm all alone. I'm sad. I'm broke. Nobody likes me. I'm addicted to all this stuff. And God's word doesn't work. There will be no peace apart from Jesus. See, we want the lordship and the favor of his life on our lives. We want his covering. We want his protection like a shield, but we don't want to submit to his principles. We don't want to submit to the life he's called us to have. We want lordship without submission. We want his favor without surrender. It doesn't work like that. Too often times people get into this thinking, well, I just want all the good things, but I don't want to submit to his lordship in my life. I don't want to do what he's asked me to do. So what we have to do is we have to say, you know what, whether I like it or not, whether I understand it or not, whether I agree with it or not, whether I think it's relevant or not, whether I think I agree or whatever or not, where God has an opinion, I lose the right to have one because I'm submitted. I'm submitted to him. I want the favor of God to surround me like a shield. And then we can go into the storms of life, no matter how they rage around us, with his favor covering us. We live in submission. We're called according to his purpose to have his principles in our lives. Number two, jot it down if you're taking notes. To connect with Jesus would require seeking his presence. Not just about his principles. God wants you to have him as well. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself... Give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with all of you. It's about his presence in your life. You want the peace of God this Christmas. You want to have him in your homes. You want to have him in your workplace. You want the peace of God. It's about being in his presence. It's about being in the presence of God. How does he do that? Because he's with us. And there's this little miracle that takes place every Sunday morning here at Victory. Honestly, I think it's why you guys keep coming back. It's because at some moment in this service... Honestly, throughout the worship time or throughout whenever it is, there's some moment where it feels like there's just a breath of fresh air. You feel like I can do this. You feel like the, I, things are clear again. You feel like I can begin to live this life God has called me to live. I, I don't know where that moment is for you, but it comes every single weekend that you feel like, okay, this is coming out. You know what that is? That's the presence of God. When God's presence, it's the peace of God that rests. It's not about the songs that we sing. It's certainly not about the words that I say. It's about the presence of God in your life. That's where the peace of God comes. When you're in the presence of God. It's God's presence. And we plan our Sundays. We're very intentional about our set list. We're intentional about the way that we do things, the way that we speak, everything that we do, because we want his presence to be here. We want his presence to be in the midst. Not because we want you to think that we're great, because I want you so badly to experience the presence of God. The appearance of presence. There's something that happens when his presence touches our lives. Because you can fabricate everything you want. You can make some stuff happen. You can make stuff go. You can build and work and do everything under your own strength. It's when his presence shows up that we have peace. And it says he would give us his peace while the Lord would be with all of you. That's my prayer for you. That's not just on Sunday mornings. You can have that all throughout the week, whether you're driving in your car, whether you're singing in the shower, whether you're hiding in your closet from your kids, wherever you are. You can have the peace of God and that presence of God that you would invite his presence into your life. That we would submit to his principles. We would submit to what God has called us to do. But then we would be in his presence. 
We would spend time in the presence of God. And it's a practice I embrace regularly. This is something that I do. If I have anxiety or fear or any kind of stress that comes in my life, I find somewhere that I can enter into worship and into the presence of God. You play some music, you just start to sing. You go in the presence of God. You run to God in those moments. Too often times we think, well, I have to stick it out in this moment until I can get everything just right and then I can go see God. No, we run to him. That's what we have access to as Christians. It says Jesus paved the way. We can go into the very throne room. This is what we have. Our peace comes from him. You can go into the presence of God. In fact, the Bible says his peace will pass all understanding. You don't know how it's going to help. You don't know what it's going to do, but his peace passes your understanding. You need that in your life. That we run to his presence and his peace would guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That his peace would guard. That it wouldn't be just your kind of thing you're doing on your own. That he would guard our hearts and minds. That it would set a protection for you. That when the world around you races, when your mind is going 100 million miles an hour, that you can invite the presence and the peace of God in your life. I'm going to submit to his principles. I'm going to seek his presence. And number three, as we close, it comes from standing in his power. If we're going to be these first two, then this one kind of culminates them all. We're going to stand in his power. Some of you are listening today and you're thinking, okay, pastor, I got my list. I got my stuff I need to do. I got my, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to, you know, read my Bible more. I'm going to listen to more music. I'm going to do all the, you, I got my list of things that I want to do. I'm going to try a lot harder. That's not what God asks. He's not interested in you trying harder. He's interested in you trusting him more. He doesn't want you to try hard to have your list where you go out of here and you just kind of check off everything on that. He wants you to seek his presence. And in doing that, he wants you to trust him more. Because the thing is, we get caught up in this idea that we need to earn God's approval. And so that's not what he's talking about at all. Is we work hard, we just think if we work a little bit harder, if we just commit a little more, if we just get a little bit further. But the Bible says it's not by might and it's not by power. It's by his spirit, says the Lord. It's not under our own strength. It's not under our own might. It's not under our own way of making this thing go. It says it's by his spirit. And where his spirit is, is when we have peace. We want peace in our families, peace in our home. We cannot do it without the presence and the power of God. We want to begin to follow and submit to his principles. We cannot do it without the presence and the power of God. We want to enter his presence. We cannot do it without the power of God. I love this verse in Isaiah chapter 32. It says, the fruit of righteousness will be peace. You want the byproduct of righteousness, it'll be peace. Its effect, watch this, will be quietness and confidence forever. You know what I want for you? I want a quietness and a confidence that you can begin to live your life out of. That the fruit of righteousness is peace and its effect on your life will be a quietness and a confidence. Why a confidence? Because you realize it doesn't all depend on you. You want that peace that is in your heart throughout this Christmas time. You want to have a peace in your heart for your family. You want a peace in your heart for your marriage, a peace in your heart for that relationship or those friends around you. It's you live your life out of a confidence that it doesn't all depend on you. That we run to God because it all depends on him. That we submit to his principles because it all depends on his power. That we stand in his power. That God would give you a quiet confidence with which to live your life. That's what I want for you. When you access the power of God, when you understand what's available, the Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives on the inside of you. When you actually realize that's not just some verse that we memorize, that's the power of God that lives on the inside of every single believer. That you have access to that power, that you can stand in that, that his peace comes in the midst of his spirit, that you have that as a believer in Jesus. We have access to his presence. We have freedom to run to the throne of God. 
Why wouldn't we? We have freedom to run to him in the midst of our chaos, to have his favor over us as a shield. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we run to him? Why wouldn't we access that power? But too often times we're thinking about how chaotic it is around us. We're thinking, I got to get my kids there and I got to get them on that team and I got to get this party planned and I got to get those people in town and I got to do this or that. Or I got to post that and see if it gets enough likes. Or I got to pull it down and post something else if I get this. Or if I, if I see that person and I, I got to, and the chaos around us. Instead, we can live with a quiet confidence in our lives that it doesn't depend on us. It doesn't. We live out of the quiet confidence of our souls. We live at peace. We say, I'm living by God's principles. I must submit myself to his opinion for life. So I'm seeking his presence. I'm going to spend time every day. I'm going to spend time as much as I can in the presence of God because that's the confidence I grow because now I'm standing in his power. Standing in his power. I have this confidence of knowing it doesn't depend on me. It's not by my power. It's by God's spirit. Romans chapter 15 says, And the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you might overflow with hope. Watch this. By the power of the Holy Spirit. That you would overflow that God's spirit, that he would give you joy and peace as you trust in him. Not because you try harder, but that you can overflow with hope. Not that you try harder so that you can find peace in some circumstance. Not that you try harder that you can fill the bank account up enough that you would have. Not that you try, but by his spirit, that the God of hope himself would fill you with peace. That's my prayer for you. It's what I've been praying all week long. I'm going to pray this entire month for each and every one of you that the God of hope would fill you with joy and peace. Not the love of money, not the chasing after of parties or things. The God of hope would fill you with peace. You know, the devil tries to come and steal your hope. I promise you, every opportunity he can think of, he's going to try to steal your hope. Try to whisper and chirp in your ear. He's going to try to take you away from the presence of God. He's going to try to give you a million other things that you should be doing right now, that you should be going. You got to tie up that loose end. You got to be here. You got to work your way down the to-do list. You got to check those things off. You got to, you don't have time to go spend in the presence of God. Every chance he gets, he's going to try to steal your hope. And I love that song we sang today where it said to every person attacked by depression, every person attacked by thoughts of anxiety, every person held bondage by fear. I speak the name of Jesus. I just want to pray over you today. That you'd be able to silence the voice of the, I promise you, the voice of the enemy is going to come more strongly in this last month of the year than maybe all other 11 combined to try to steal your hope. To try to take your peace from you. When we access the power of God, not only does he become for us what we cannot be for ourselves, but when that flood comes in, when those thoughts try to chirp at you, when the devil tries to come in, it's like a flood. It says the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And he would be a shield of favor on our lives. He would be a protection to the righteous, that he would be in his presence. We find the power to stand. That we may be weak in our own strength, but in him we are strong. We may not know how to figure things out. I promise you, he does. But the Lord of hope would fill you with peace. Listen to me. You may have gotten thrown in the fire. You may find yourself in the midst of the storm. You may be surrounded by cats, everybody. You may be, you may be in the pit. 
You may be thrown out of Potiphar's house in the prison, but I promise you, you are one step away from the palace, that God has a plan for your life. That God's watching over you, that it says he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The peace of God reign in your life. The Sar Shalom this Christmas, the one in charge of our peace. Let him be in charge. The one, the one who rules over all, let him rule. Let's make the decision this holiday season. I'm going to submit to his principles. I'm going to run to his presence. I'm going to spend that time with him. And I'm going to stand in his power so his peace will guard my life. That his peace would reign in my home. That his peace would be over my interactions with my kids, my interactions with my spouse. That his peace would be in the midst of our homes. That the Lord of hope and peace would fill you with joy. Every head bowed today as we pray and as we close up, I just want to pray that you would experience the peace of God. That during this Christmas season, no matter what circumstance you're in, no matter what the chaos is around you, that you would experience the peace of God. I want to pray that over you. Before we do, there are those of you who are here, though, and you have not submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, I like all that talk about peace and I like all that things and Honestly, though, I don't know why I'm even here today. I don't know why I'm watching online. I don't know why I'm I'm here. I thought maybe it was a movie Sunday. I just kind of showed up. But I've never submitted my life to Jesus. If that's you today, but you say, I want the peace of God. I want his lordship. I want to be saved. If that's you today, it would be my honor to introduce you to Jesus. You say, well, who is he to me? Listen, Jesus is the perfect son of God who came to this earth, lived a perfect life, but then died on a cross in your place and in mine. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And the Bible says he did that so that anyone, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've come from, doesn't matter what you've done. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. So if that's you today, you say, I've never surrendered to him. I've never been saved. Or you say, I'm so far away from God that he feels a million miles away. If that's you today, it would be my honor to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's what you want to pray, I can give you the words, but you have to say them and mean them in your own heart. You have to surrender your life. But if you say, that's me. You say, I want to give up my own way. I want to surrender my life to him. I want him to be Lord of all. But listen to me. He is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. He does not take second place. But if you're ready to do that, you're ready to surrender your life to him. Say these words in church. Let's pray with them. Nobody prays alone. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I repent. Of all my sin, of all my mistakes, I surrender to you. I believe you died on the cross and I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus name, I pray. I want to just pray over all of us before we go today. God, I thank you for our church. Lord, it is an honor to pastor such amazing people. And so, Lord, I pray in the midst of this chaotic season, God, that there are those here and those watching online who are experiencing fear and anxiety. Who are so far from peace. 
Lord, I pray right now that the God of all peace, that you would fill them with your presence, that you would fill them, Lord, with your joy, with your hope, with your peace. That even in the midst of the storm, Lord, we would remember we still have access to your peace. That it doesn't matter what the circumstances of life say about us. It doesn't matter what the people around us try to attack us with. It does not matter what the thoughts of the enemy are that come against us. We know, Father, that we stand in your power. Holy Spirit, we stand in the power of your spirit that we know we can conquer. Because of he who lives in us, not because of our own strength. We thank you, Lord. That when the enemy comes against us, Lord, that when the enemy comes like a flood, Lord, that we would stand in the power of God. We thank you, Father, for all that you're doing. And we thank you, Lord, for the confidence we can live our life out of. Knowing it does not all depend on us, that it depends on you. And so we pray one more time. In the midst of chaos, that your favor would cover us like a shield. Lord, I pray favor on every person here or watching online. I pray favor on every family on every relationship. Do what all you can do, God, what only you can do. And we pray all of it in Jesus' name. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, church, can we put our hands together what God has done today? Before you leave today, one moment. Before you leave, if you prayed that prayer of surrender, if you prayed that prayer of surrender to him, I want you to tell one person doesn't have to be me. doesn't have to be someone next to you. Tell somebody this week that you made a decision for Jesus. Tell somebody this week that you made a decision, best decision of your life. If you'd like to share with me, I want to know your next steps. I'm going to be standing at the front of the stage right after this service. We'd love to talk that over with you. The rest of you guys, you're dismissed. We'll see you next Sunday morning for the next part of our series.